0: powerful chapter that uh, the church has looked to and revered and considered one of the greatest chapters in all of scripture and and honestly though in the book of revelation it is the pinnacle the apostle paul begins by laying out that the wrath of god is revealed to all ungodliness and all unrighteousness and that no matter who you are whether you're a jew or a gentile no matter what you are all of us have fallen short Of the glory of God. And however. Sending his son Jesus. We are justified. Like Abraham when he believed. It was credited to him as righteousness. And so we are now. Set free. From the guilt and shame. Of the law. And we are now in Christ. And we are uh, declared righteous. And then after laying out. All the gospel. In detail. He says. That word therefore. And he turns the page. And and like we said last week, it's it's like asking the question, now what? It's saying you've come to know Jesus. Maybe you've uh, received his forgiveness. You believe in him. You're you're seeking to follow him. But what does that really mean? What does that mean for you? Um, and you might even ask it this way. If you're not a believer, and you want to know, who who cares? Who would even want to be a Christian? What value is there to be a Christian? Why not just go and do some other self-help program? Why not just go to the bookstore and get, get another uh, step book for self-improvement? And we just say, if you're not a believer, if, if you would stick with us as we make our way through this chapter, you're going to see the depth and the beauty and the joys and blessings of what it means to be in Christ. And so, um, this chapter is about the implications of what Jesus has done for us and how we can live and enjoy uh, these blessings. Um, and th- the thing about this uh, is um, th- this chapter begins to hone in and and highlight on what it means for the Holy Spirit to be in our lives. This chapter, greater than any other place in the whole entire Bible, talks more about the Holy Spirit than any other. The, The word Holy Spirit is repeated over and over and over and over again. And so, this is about the Holy Spirit and what He does, and, and how He is in our lives. Now here's the thing though. Many, including myself, really focus, when we think about Christianity and our faith, we tend to think almost entirely of what God has done, and what Jesus has done. And you see that here in this passage. You actually see God sending His Son in, in, in response to sin and rebellion, he sends his own son. We saw that he would be, um, that he would, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh by sending his son. And Jesus, who was sent, would come and live a perfect life on our behalf that we could never live. And he would go and face an unjust uh, death that we deserved to be in our place taking our sin and punishment upon himself, and that he be raised on the third day to life. And so we're pretty accustomed to talking about God the Father and God the Son in terms of our faith. But what about the Holy Spirit? Very often the Holy Spirit gets forgotten or uh, becomes a just an emotional experience. I've been in a lot of churches where the idea of the Holy Spirit would come and give us a holy, a, a, an emotional experience in our service or something. And they speak of it almost entirely of that. So how does the Holy Spirit play into and have a, 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 a part in our salvation uh, in, uh, our, in our faith? That's the question I want to ask today. Because if we don't get this right, we're going to miss out on what's, the, what's here in this, in this chapter. But we're going to miss out on the blessings of this chapter. I read a, um, an article, it was a CNN Money article, that was describing, I guess some research had been done, and uh, uh, state and gov- uh, federal agencies had done some research and put together some data and found out that... Um, that's just, this isn't even private organizations now. This is just state, federal organizations owed people unclaimed benefits and, and money upwards to $58 billion. That's a billion with a B. $58 billion is sitting around in government places that could be claimed and taken rightfully by a bunch of people. And not to, that's not even to, to say private organizations. And, and, and so you can imagine, man, what would it be like if you were to find out? Actually, there's websites you can go to. I've heard Clark Howard, the radio guy. You know what I'm talking about? The radio um, consumer advocate guy. You know, he, he'll, he'll tell you. There's a couple of websites. I, can't, I don't know what they are. you can have to go to his website or somewhere to find it. But there are websites where you can punch in your data or whatever and find out if the government or other organizations owe you money. But here's the thing. I, don't, I think it's no less a case with, with many Christian believers that by ignoring and missing who and what the Holy Spirit does, we leave a lot of unclaimed benefits and a lot of unclaimed joys in our lives. And so this morning, I want to I focus in on what does the Holy Spirit do in our salvation How does he play a role? And we're going to see here in Romans 8, verses 1 through 4. And we're actually going to see more of it as we go along throughout this chapter. But I want to to key in on a couple of things. Here in uh, verses 1 through 4, we see that the Holy Spirit, first of all, applies the work of Christ to us, connects us to the person of Christ, and calls us uh, to, to a life lived for Christ. Okay, let's look at those in order, okay? First of all, the Spirit applies... The work of christ and last week we started this chapter and we saw the amazing radical truth that if you are in christ there is no now excuse me there is now no condemnation We saw that that was a legal term that means that you're you're guilty before God, and now you are completely and fully acquitted. You are now not guilty before God. And, this word brings into it, the punishment that was due you is gone. And, like, I I used an illustration of of, of a firing squad. And that we were guilty and we were marched out to the, to the pole where they would uh, line up and fire into us and they would line us up out there, tie us to the pole, put the black sack over our head, load the gun, one round at a time. And then we hear the shots fire, but they don't fire into us, but rather they fire into God's Son Himself. Every one of those rounds go into the Son. And now... The gun is empty. There is no more wrath. No more judgment. No more punishment that can come to you. That's awesome. And we also said it's now. It's not later. It's not yesterday. It's not tomorrow. It's not sometimes. It is now and always. Absolute. It's radical. It's a radical teaching. That will change your life. If you really believe it, and you really live in that reality, it will radically change your life. But here's a question now. Because I've often thought this question. So, how did that come to me? You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross. How does, uh, you know, Jesus dying on a cross 2,000 years ago get to me today in 2018? How does it get to you in 2018? You ever thought of that? Well, the point that Paul makes here in this passage is that God sent his son. His son was sent to die and, and to live a perfect life and die a perfect death for us that we perfectly deserved. And then the Holy Spirit is the one who makes it a present reality for you and me. Do you hear that? It's the Holy Spirit that takes the work of Christ and applies it to us. And that's the key point that, that he's making here. So if you look in verse 2 with me, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of the who? The Spirit. Right? Right? Here we, it's already beginning, right? In verse 2, begins to talk about the Holy Spirit. Well, this idea of law here, isn't, isn't, he isn't talking about the idea of the Ten Commandments law, the Mosaic commandments and laws. Paul does talk about that a lot. But very often, he talks about law in terms of a principle or a power. So, so let's put it that way. For the power... Or the principle of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the principle or power of sin and death. It is the Holy Spirit that takes the work of Christ in his power and brings it and applies it to you and me. So the Holy Spirit makes the work of Christ a reality for us. And John Calvin, this is where I picked up on this, John Calvin Protestant reformer said this is it you have a quote there for me he said this we must understand as long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from him all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of human race remains useless and no value to us therefore to share with us what he has received from the father he had to become ours here it is And to dwell within us. So, something has to happen to take the work of Christ and bring it to us. And to apply it to us. So how does that happen? That gets us to our second point. First of all, the Spirit applies the work of Christ. Secondly, the Spirit connects us to the person of Christ, so how does the, the Holy Spirit apply the work of Christ, work of Christ in our lives okay All right how does that happen? what happens well we 're taught throughout the New Testament I, and I'll, i won 't get into the details is that when a person comes to genuine faith in Jesus Christ, a lot of things have happened before that As a matter of fact John excuse me yeah john the the uh, the Apostle John, tells us in his third chapter of his gospel, as Jesus talks to Nicodemus, Jesus tells Nicodemus, in order to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Or, it could be translated, because John would talk in kind of these layered words, not just born again, but also born from above. And so for anyone to, to even see or believe and receive the gospel, the Holy Spirit's already at work in the heart of an individual. And the Holy Spirit drawing a person, and what happens is they're born again, as you would say in the New Testament. What, is it, what does that mean? Okay, the, the theological term is regeneration. It means that we are taken from spiritual death, which occurred when we rebelled against God, As we see in Genesis chapter 3, when all of humanity rebelled and said, no, we'll be our own God. We don't want your laws. We don't want your help. We're going to do our own thing. The autonomies, self-sufficiency, they went on their own. And ever since, humankind has plunged themselves into spiritual death. And the Holy Spirit comes into an individual, we're told, and brings new spiritual life. But in that moment... We are also united to the person of Jesus himself. We are connected to and brought, and as would some would say, into union with Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And by the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling in the believer, God himself dwelling in the believer, we become connected to God himself. God the Father. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All of them. And so we become connected with Jesus. That is how the work of Jesus is applied to us. What does that mean then? So if I'm connected spiritually with Jesus, he comes and he dwells in me. What Paul lays out in a few other places is that when Jesus lived his life, I lived his life. So his perfect life, his perfect, sinless, selfless life, I lived it as if I had lived it. His death that he died on a cross 2,000 years ago, it it, it becomes real to me because I'm connected with him spiritually and he is here with me just as he was there that day and I die with him on that cross. And then also, three days later, when he was raised to life, We are raised to life. And being connected with him, knowing that he was raised from the dead and that he has defeated death and hell and everything else, we will too. Why? Because we are in union with him. We are connected to him. Now, that is hard to understand. Uh, Theologians call this the mystical union of Christ. Christ which I think is another way of saying we have no idea what that means. We're just going to come up with a fancy name for it. It's a spiritual union. However, I think Jesus and even Paul himself understood the difficulty to get our, ma- our minds around an abstract spiritual thought like that. And so they used examples and they taught us using other types of examples. And so I want to take a look at those, if y'all would, with me um, this morning. Um. These examples of, uh, of what it looks like to be in union with Christ. So first, the first example we get is from Jesus himself. Jesus gives us the example of a vine and the branches. This one's super easy because if you've been around any plants, you understand this idea that branches get life from the core of the, of the plant. So if it's a tree... It's a trunk. If it's a vine, it's its branches. The branches get it it's from the vine. And that's what Jesus uses. So, um, in uh, John 15, verses 4 through 5, he says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit of itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think that's a a beautiful picture of what happened before and where we are now. Because we were were created by God and His image to reflect Him and reflect His glory. We were a part of the tree. We were a part of the vine. And we were to grow and spread our wings and display His glory. Just like a, a flower a rose bush would do. Displaying the glory. Of the roots and the trunk, and yet we said, "Nah, we're we're good. We don't need you. We don't want your rules. We don't want you. We don't want your help." And then we whacked off the branch. And just like a branch, if you were to cut off a branch, the signs of the life that it had before remain a little while, don't they? That's the hard part about it. It's like we look around and say. We're not dead yet. You know? The reality is that connection, that spiritual life that would give life and vitality to that branch was gone. And the cool thing is for those who believe and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes, regrafts us back into the vine so that we would live. Another example he gives is eating and drinking. So every time, we're not doing it this Sunday because we were doing the sacrament of um, baptism, every time we come and we, we come to the communion table of eating and, and drinking, so we do a little bread and a little wine or grape juice, but it's a sign of what's happened to us. And, and, it's, and, and so it's really important to think of it in terms of we take Jesus, his broken body, into us. We take his, the wine, his, the, symbolizing his blood shed for us, into us to become a part of us. So again, that we would be connected in union with him. Next time you take communion, you can think of that. Then Paul uses some, a couple of other examples. He talks about the head. And the body, talking about Christ, the head of the church, our head, and us being the body, members of the body. That makes sense, right? you cut somebody's head off, it's done, (laughs) right? Now, if it's a chicken, I've heard if you cut a chicken's head off, it might run around for a few minutes. I've heard that. I don't know. I've never seen that, but I've heard that that happens. Oh, Miriam's saying yes, that's true. Um, So there's that residual life that's there, but before long... gone and however in christ we are brought back in connection to our head and to spiritual life another really unique example is a husband and wife and paul in the chapter 5 of Ephesians talks about how a wife is to to submit and honor her husband and the husband is to to love his wife as christ loved the church sacrificing himself for and then at the end of it all he says this is a profound ministry mystery excuse me but i am talking about christ and the church so in some way that when when a husband and wife come together they become one flesh and they're living out the realities of the gospel loving and forgiving and doing all those things we kind of begin to see a little bit of what it looks like to be in union with christ we get a little picture of it And so our our marriages aren't just for ourselves. They display what Christ does when He comes into us and dwells within us. And so, the Holy Spirit applies the work of Christ to us by connecting us spiritually, vitally with Jesus Himself. Now, that means... We have royal blood, so to speak. We we're going to see this as we play this chapter. I was going to lay out the implications. It's going to mean we are just we're not just added to God's club or his you know you know whatever his servants or what anything like that. We are actually brought in to family. I don't know if you guys caught any of the royal royal wedding this weekend. Anybody? I tell you, most of the time, could care less. About these things. I mean. Blah, you know. Like boring. However this one really fascinated me. In so many ways. The fact that. Um, Markle is that her name. Uh, was a mixed race. Uh, you know. And she's American. Not British. And like this weird. You know. Talk about scandal. You know. She had been married before. All these things. That are just pictures of God's grace. The prince would receive her. It's the royal family, right? And then at the, at the, at the wedding itself, uh, Bishop, I think his name was Bishop Murray. American, uh, what is it? Curry, excuse me. Uh, Bishop Curry, black minister from, Vir- I think, Virginia. Uh, a, a, uh, the, the descendant of slaves and sharecroppers would preach the royal wedding. And let me tell you, it was awesome. He brought Jesus, man. I was like, yes, he brought it, man. He brought Jesus. It was really good. But here's the thing. N- none of us are invited to that wedding. Ain't happening. You're not a part of the family. I mean, you're not even a part of the club. I mean, you're not even, in, you know, you're not even a part of society enough to get there. But what if you had royal blood? you'd get that fancy little invitation, maybe a little seat there in that chapel. And that's the thing, is that the Holy Spirit, he comes and brings us to new life by uniting us back into Christ, regrafting us in so that now we are not just people that make a, a decision for Jesus and decide to follow a new philosophy of life and steps or, or whatever, but rather we come into spiritual, vital union with Jesus himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so... Last point, is that in that, the Spirit calls us to a life for Christ. So now that we are ingrat, we become a part of Jesus himself, we've become, uh, in, in, uh, we become alive spiritually, we're connected to him, and all of his work is applied to us, and we can say in confidence, there's no condemnation, I'm free of guilt and shame, and I can come boldly into the presence of god so we should now live accordingly we have royal blood you might start acting like it might say we should start thinking about it and considering it and living in that manner the apostle paul put it this way he says i have been crucified with christ how could he he wasn't there but was he you see this now you're going to start reading these passages differently i hope He says, I have been crucified with Christ because I'm connected with him. I've been connected in union with him. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so we realize we've died with him. He's given us life. And now our lives are to be reoriented and given to him. So, if you're an unbeliever, how do you get into Christ? How do you do that? Well, we've already said that this is a miraculous, powerful work of God himself and the Holy Spirit. You can't do that part. However, we are told that if you believe and you trust and you have faith and you receive it, all that other stuff has probably already happened. The power of the Spirit has already worked in your heart and you're responding and receiving what He is. So if if you are led right now and you are compelled in any way to reach out and say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I want to be with you. I want to believe and trust what you've done for me. I want your salvation. Guess what? It is a free gift. Absolutely given to you free. Ephesians 3.17 says, Christ may dwell in your heart's through faith it's through faith we connect that's our part the other part's done for us and so for the rest of us those of you guys in here who are believers we're back to where I started are you leaving all those unclaimed benefits just sitting there and we're going to talk more and more as we go through this chapter about those benefits joys and rewards as it were of what it means to be in the spirit to live according to the spirit to be grafted in and connected with Jesus here's the thing we are royal blood and what does that mean for us and we're going to talk about that all the things that belong to Jesus His, his inheritance his sonship His righteousness, his resurrection, go down the list. All of that, as if we were Jesus himself, belongs to us. However, do we just leave it sometimes? We just ignore it. We forget that it's there. Or are we just so used to the status quo that we we forget to grab a hold of it? Heard a story one time of a, a young a guy that, when he was younger, would cut through this patch of woods. And a lot of kids wouldn't do it because right in the middle of this patch of woods, was ch- in, in the middle, it was chained up this really mean dog, really big, nasty, mean dog. And everybody was just horrified of this dog. Well, he, he wanted to take this shortcut, so he started making his way, and he would try to skirt. This dog was chained to a tree, and there was a circle that was just worn out from this dog making its way around this tree or whatever. And uh, over time, this, the, as a boy, he would, he would bring some of his extra lunch or whatever, and he would toss it in to the circle to give this dog something to eat or whatever. And then eventually, slowly, and more and more over time, he would, he, would this, he would be able to actually get this dog to come. And s- instead of barking and snarling and trying to like come off the chain and kill him, uh, he, he would actually get this dog to start eating out of his hand. And then he got to a point where he could, you know, pet him and, and, like, actually get inside the circle without dying and whatever. And then one day he decided, you know, this dog needs to go free. And so he went and he took the chain off that dog. And he walked outside of the circle. And that dog came to the edge of the circle And stopped. Wouldn't go further. It was nothing he could do. He's like, "Come on, come on, let's go." You know, here's the food. The dog wouldn't come. The dog had been so bound to that reality and to that circle of life. To that, in, in our case, to, in our case, we're so bound to the circle of reality of spiritual death and shame and condemnation and and lack of joy. That we come to the edge of it, and even though it's offered to us, saying, it's yours, it's free, take it, live in it, enjoy it. Instead, we come to the edge of that circle, and we say, nah, this is too good to be true. There's no way this could be true. I can't really be totally forgiven. I can't really be under no condemnation. I can't really be this. I can't really be God's son. There's got to be a catch. There's got to be something. No. The chain is gone. We are connected. We are royal blood. Enjoy it. Take it. Live in it. Rest in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the work of your Holy Spirit, Lord. This is an abstract idea but Lord as you've told us you're the vine we are the branches Lord apart from you we can do nothing but in you we can bear much fruit we can enjoy all the blessings that are poured upon you as God's son and so Lord I pray that we would grab a hold of that and cling to it whether we're not believing yet or whether we've been believers a long time that we would grab a hold of the blessed truths of the good news of the gospel we pray this in the name of Jesus amen so as we um, uh, conclude with one last song um, we'll pass the the plates Um, and that will be a time in our world this is a time for God's people to give back a little bit of what god has so graciously given to us however if you're new with us we're not trying to squeeze money out of you or anything like that now if anything uh there's some connection cards in your seats if you would introduce yourself to us we would love that um put uh but at this time just, just reflect on this song and uh what god's word has so graciously given us today